You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostrich of Ravens Wire. And we are back with another episode on this Thursday. And we have a lot to get into today now, our Thursday episodes. We do Ravens news notes and quotes, and we're going to keep it that way. But there aren't a lot of quotes, and uh, there's not a lot of news pertaining to the Ravens as their offseason has already begun. So for the news notes and quotes segment today... I want to focus more on the Ravens offseason and talk about how these signings panned out for Baltimore and how the people who departed played a role in Baltimore's season, whether it be good or bad. So that'll be the Ravens news notes and quote segment today. In the second segment, I just want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson and not even just Lamar Jackson, but the whole Ravens organization and just how good the culture is. I know I had a segment like this really, really early in the show and as the preseason winded down. But I just want to get into it again because this team, this football team, just had so much fun this season. And it was really, it was just so fun to watch. And I want to get into how they got that culture and what it means to an organization to have players play for each other and like one another. So we're going to get into that in the second segment and just how much Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team loved each other. And then in the third segment, I think we have to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, but I want to do it from a little bit of a Ravens perspective now as the Chiefs and the 49ers in the big game, obviously. And I want to run down some stats that both teams have and how they go back and forth against each other and what stats mean for each team. But I want to talk about if the Ravens, if they were playing in this big game, if they could have beaten the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and if they could have beaten the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Now, I know that's a lot of, you know, well, what-ifs, but I think it's important to talk about because, in reality, the Ravens were expecting to beat the Tennessee Titans, and, you know, how far could the Ravens have gone? And I know that might bring up a bunch of bad memories for Ravens fans, but I think it is important to talk about. So we're going to get into all of that, but before we do that, we have a really exciting opportunity here with Nyko Sports. I'm really excited for this because our friends at Nyko Sports, they have a super awesome looking football and it's commemorating Lamar Jackson's record-breaking season. And for who else, right? Lamar Jackson had an amazing season, one of the best that I've ever seen. And he had so many records, and that's just going to be on the football. It includes the rushing record that he broke for quarterbacks, the two perfect passer rating games in a season. I mean, that's a record, too. And, I mean, there are so many things I could go on and on about. Now, obviously, he's not the MVP yet, so when that award gets on there, the team is going to put it in production to get that MVP on there. But these footballs are only $99, and you have to act fast because there are only 5000 in stock, their limited edition. Only 5,000 are there. So call in, order online. You can call in to 1 800 345 2868 right away. Again, that's 1 800 345 2868. And you can also order online at nikosports.com. That's N I K C O.com. And make sure you mention the Locked On podcast so they know where you heard about it from. So again, Order from Nyko Sports. It's a great football, really exciting, and it really looks good. So be sure to order that right away. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOstriker34. 
But with all that being said, let's get into the Ravens offseason in 2019. And we can start with the Ravens and who they lost. Eric Weddle, Terrell Suggs, CJ Mosley, and Zadaria Smith were the four big ones that the Ravens lost on defense. But you also have to realize the Ravens lost John Brown on offense, a really productive wide receiver for them. And I mean, they cut Michael Crabtree. He was gone. The Ravens receiver room looked really different. But starting off on defense, I'm not going to really get into what these guys did with their former teams. I mean, CJ Mosley barely played for the Jets. Sedaria Smith had a great year with the Packers, a Pro Bowl year. Terrell Suggs got cut by the Cardinals, picked up by the Chiefs. He's playing in the Super Bowl. Eric Weddle had a so-so year with the Rams, but really wasn't himself. But I want to talk about what this meant for the Ravens defense because they had to rely on those young guys, right? Kenny Young, Tim Williams, guys like Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark. They brought in Earl Thomas, who we'll get into in a second. But this was really the reshaping of this Ravens defense. If these four players don't leave in free agency, Marcus Peters doesn't get traded for. Josh Bynes and LJ Ford don't get brought in. Maybe even Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram aren't even signed. This team would look so much different than it did in 2019. And who knows, maybe the Ravens wouldn't have even made the playoffs if these four guys returned. It was tough to see all these guys walk, but... In reality, I think it was really important for the development of this football team. And what I mean by that is, look, Eric Weddle wasn't getting any younger. Zadaria Smith was a guy who was going to command a ton of money. Same with CJ Mosley. Terrell Suggs, again, a guy who was reaching the end of his career. When you look at these four guys, yeah, maybe the Ravens should have re-signed one of them. But in hindsight, how much good would that have done for Baltimore? It allowed them to move on. Yes, their defense was pretty dominant in 2018. I mean, it was one of the best in the NFL. They had the number one rated defense. But you can't overlook the fact that football teams undergo turnover so much. And you have to be smart with your money, not only in the present, but in the future. When you give Zadarius Smith the four-year $66 million contract and CJ Mosley a five-year $85 million contract, that's investing so much money in two pieces who you don't really know how they're going to turn out. And while Zadarius Smith, I mean, you look at his stats and he absolutely killed it with the Packers. He had eight and a half sacks with the Ravens and they weren't sure he was going to progress anymore. You have to take risks with these guys and say, look, are they going to progress any more than they currently have? And for Zadarius Smith, the answer was yes. For CJ Mosley, it looked like he was really coming on. But are the Ravens really going to pay $15 million annually for five years for a a linebacker and I mean when you look at this Ravens defense and what it was in 2019 the addition of Earl Thomas proved dividends even though he didn't light it up on the stat sheet it was still something for him where he came in and produced for Baltimore in a way where he only allowed a 44% completion rate he was only targeted 25 times the entire season no opposing quarterbacks wanted anything to do with Earl Thomas and yet he was still getting some slander on Twitter and was underappreciated with Mark Ingram if the Ravens re-sign these guys if the Ravens re-sign John Brown to a three-year 27 million dollar contract do the Ravens invest three years and 15 million dollars into Mark Ingram and do they maybe say all right we're gonna roll out with Gus Edwards and we pick Justice Hill in the draft so we're gonna roll out with him too if the Ravens roll with John Brown, and look, John Brown had a phenomenal year for Buffalo. I'm not discounting anything that he did for that team because he really was a focal point and a key contributor on the offense for Buffalo and a key target for Josh Allen. 
But Mark Ingram, what he brought to this team, not only from an on-the-field standpoint, but from an off-the-field standpoint, something we're going to get into again in the second segment, but just him lifting the spirits of this team, being such an energetic, fun presence. I'm not saying John Brown isn't fun and isn't energetic, but Mark Ingram just brought that swagger. He was super fun and really bonded with these guys. The Ravens were able to go out, draft Hollywood Brown, they were able to draft Miles Boinkin, and they had confidence in those guys, and they performed decently well based off of their expectations. Marquise Brown has true number one wide receiver potential, Miles Boinkin some development to do, but if they re-sign John Brown, do they draft Miles Boinkin in the third round? Do they go a different direction? It's all these chain reactions, and the Ravens in their offseason their best moves might have been in their re-signings. They re-signed Tavon Young early in the offseason to a three-year, $25.8 million contract. Tavon Young is one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL. Now, people might forget about Tavon Young because he, of course, had that season-ending neck injury before the season in 2019, so he wasn't able to contribute on the field. But when he was there in 2018, yes, there are times when he can get picked on. But that's every player. Tavon Young, when he's covering these receivers like Julian Edelman's, Danny Amendola's, you know, guys like that in the slot, it's hard for a corner like Marlon Humphrey to do that on the outside because it's a whole different realm of covering. It's a whole different realm of skills. Tavon Young excels in that. And signing him to a three-year, $25.8 million deal, that was an absolute steal. Also, Nick Boyle, a three-year, $18 million contract for a premier blocker and a guy who also is just a great receiver. Boyle's regarded as one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL, if not the best, but how he came on as a receiver, how he gelled with his fellow tight ends, it was just a sight to watch, and I'm really excited and really glad that the Ravens were able to re-sign him. And then also, Robert Griffin III signed a two-year deal for Baltimore, and that's just another key aspect in Lamar Jackson's development. Robert Griffin III, you know, quote-unquote, failed with the Redskins and, you know, failed with the Browns, but he is using those experiences, passing them off to Lamar Jackson, and I think without Robert Griffin III, Lamar Jackson would not have had as good of a year as he did in 2019. Robert Griffin III has been a staple in Lamar Jackson's career. Lamar also said Joe Flacco helped him quite a bit, so just the fact that he has a veteran guy to lean back on like Robert Griffin III Eric DaCosta did a phenomenal job at constructing this roster despite losing those guys. And maybe it wasn't perfect at the beginning of the year, but with the trades, with the free agent acquisitions in season, he made it exceptional on the way to the Ravens 14-2 record. We are going to go to break now, but when we come back, we are going to be talking about just how much fun this Ravens team had this season. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, if you enjoy football and you have a heartbeat, then you know what's coming. It's that time of the year. Plan a party, get the snacks ready, and get your wages locked in because the Super Bowl is finally here. My bookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options is simply unrivaled. You can even visit mybookie.ag slash party now to access a printable prop sheet for the big game. Plus, if you deposit right now, they'll match your deposit halfway. That's basically free cash to throw down on your best bet. This will be likely your last chance to take advantage, so sign up now. Enter promo code Locked On when you make your deposit. That's promo code Locked On to give your bankroll a jumpstart. My bookie, play, win, and get paid. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked On Ravens episode. Kevin Oshak is still hanging with you here on this Thursday, and we just got into how the Ravens looked during their offseason, how they addressed their roster, 
and just how much those roster moves had an impact on the team. But now, let's get into the actual team and talk about just really how much fun they had. And this was just, it really just warmed my heart, for lack of better words, to see this team gel, see this team just have so much fun together. And it's so important when you look at you know, just a team having fun, a team bonding together. And I talked about it a little bit yesterday with how Marcus Peters came in. And Marcus Peters was a guy who came into his third team week seven of 2019. You know, a guy who felt a little bit cast off by the Chiefs, a little bit cast off by the Rams. And he was probably looking to find a home in Baltimore. And what happened is he went out of his way to really have the secondary bond together. He took them out for team dinners every week, and then that's become a weekly thing for the Ravens secondary. Now, I don't know how far that extends into the offseason, but something that just reminded me of this was looking at the Ravens Wired video, not Ravens Wire, Ravens Wired video that they put out from the Pro Bowl. And it just, they were having so much fun. And I know the Pro Bowl is a much more relaxed environment, but even in the stresses and even in the just absolute tide turning that a football game has and just all of the emotion, the Ravens were still having fun. Now, the Ravens were winning a lot, and that makes it a little easier. But let's go back to the Pro Bowl. Lamar Jackson FaceTimes Marcus Peters and. You know, Marcus Peters is having a blast, you know, just being there on FaceTime. Lamar Jackson said, hey, I'm on the field. I'm, I'm going to call you back later. And, you know, he shows it off. You know, hey, look, guys, it's Marcus Peters. And the coach, the coaches come over. That's another huge aspect. It's not just the players who were bonding, getting closer, having fun. The coaches were bonding with the players also. And you look at a situation like Cleveland, and I don't mean to pick on Cleveland, but that's just what comes to mind for me, where with Freddie Kitchens, those players were not bonding with the coaches. I can tell you that much. I mean, there were rumors that the offensive coordinator was, you know, going over to opposing coaches and saying, this is an absolute mess, right? That's not what a football organization should be. I mentioned Mark Ingram earlier in the first segment. He brought the swagger. He just brought so much energy, you know. I think the Ravens as a team gained so much confidence with Mark Ingram coming over to the team. You know, he brings that veteran presence. He's seen a lot as a football player and also just as a person in life, right? At the end of the day, football is just a game. At the end of the day, life is what, you know, comes first. And these players mature and these players grow as the season goes on and as their life goes on. And when they're done with football, I'm sure that they will look back on this season even and just say, I'm glad I had a teammate like Mark Ingram to just show me that, you know, life goes beyond football and it's about having fun. And part of what having fun did for this Ravens team is it made them play better. And the reason for that is because they wanted to go out there and not only win the game for themselves, but win the game for the people right next to them. Win the game for their brothers. And I talked about that again yesterday. Just how much this Ravens team wanted to win so badly for their brothers. And it all just comes full circle. 
people mature, people grow, and when you come in as a rookie, we can take Marquise Brown, for example, you need somebody who's gonna, you know, watch your back and take your back. If you even want to go a year earlier, we can talk about Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin III again. There's somebody that when you come into the league, they need to watch your back. They need to get you up to speed just because they've had those experiences and bringing in Earl Thomas to a young defense. That's where those four defenders that the Ravens lost with Weddle, Mosley, Smith, and Suggs. That made a huge impact because those veterans weren't there anymore. And yeah, while the Ravens were having fun the first two weeks, it wasn't very fun. Weeks three and four when they gave up over 500 total yards of offense on defense. And we saw it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for this team as Brandon Williams and Earl Thomas got into it a bit in the locker room. But at the end of the day, they're brothers. They're teammates. They're people who go out there, fight, win lose together as a team and we've seen john harbaugh evolve as a coach someone who wasn't really recognized as a player's coach there was an article in the athletic where people can admit john harbaugh was not a player's coach and you know they had that kumbaya meeting in the 2012 season where it was the closed doors meeting where anything could be said and that really sparked the ravens run there john harbaugh has evolved as such a player's coach and somebody who it seems like everybody wants to play for he's a player's coach somebody who will hear his players out somebody who will put his players in a position to make decisions in certain situations we saw it with the hell yeah let's go for it coach john harbaugh wanted to know what lamar jackson wanted to do because that's his player that's his brother the coaches don't view the players you know as their quote-unquote subordinates they view them as teammates, and that's what it should be. It shouldn't be, I'm the coach, you're the player. It should be, we're all part of a team. And that's what makes such a good culture. That's what Baltimore has had for so many years. And that's really contributed to some of their success, something that is a very underrated aspect of the game of football. It's just being able to have fun. <laughs> it really is just as simple as that. It sounds kind of weird saying it. It sounds kind of easy. But it really is just, it comes down to having fun. And so, you know, sorry for going on this mini rant here, but I just think that watching this Ravens team have so much fun, whether it be the preseason, regular season, even in the playoff loss, it was probably fun for those guys to be out there. And of course, the outcome wasn't fun at all. I can definitely attest to that. But just being out in that environment, being with the guys that you've bonded with all season and you've come that far with, you know, only one Super Bowl champion can be crowned at the end of the day, right? You talk about Ray Lewis's speech at the end of the 2011 AFC Championship game. Only one. A lot of people are going to feel that way, but it's a lot easier to feel that way when you know you have your guys surrounding you and supporting you and being a part of a support system that that really works so i'm really glad the ravens were able to have so much fun this season and i think next season it's only going to be more fun from there we're going to go to our final break now but when we come back we're going to be getting a bit into the super bowl talking about it by the numbers and then also getting into if the ravens could have beaten the chiefs in the afc championship game or if they could have beaten the 49ers in the big game so stay tuned for that and we will be right back Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker still with you here, and we just got into the Ravens having fun, but now we're going to get into two other teams who are going to be having fun this weekend as they play in the Super Bowl in the Kansas City Chiefs in the San Francisco 49ers. You know, this wouldn't be a, a football podcast if we didn't get into the Super Bowl just a little bit, but of course, this is a Ravens podcast, so we're going to be getting into if the Ravens could actually beat 
the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and if they could actually beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But I want to talk about this football one more time here. The Lamar Jackson football that Nyko Sports is offering. It's really one of the best memorabilia pieces to have to commemorate this once-in-a-lifetime season from Lamar Jackson. Again, the football has all of his accomplishments. It has great-looking pictures of him. It has one of Lamar Jackson running the football and, of course, one of him throwing the football because he is a QB after all. And of course, some of these proceeds are going to be donated to a charity, the Ravens Foundation. But again, you have to go right now because they are limited edition. They're only $5,000 and they're only $99. They've been selling since the season ended, so be sure to get yours now. Call 1-800-345-2868. Again, 1-800-345-2868. But you can also order it online at nikosports.com. Again, that's N-I-K-C-O sports.com and you should mention the locked on podcast just so that they can know where you heard about it from this will be one of your best purchases so be sure to do it and commemorate lamar jackson for his record-breaking season but let's talk about some more good qbs here as we get into jimmy garoppolo and patrick mahomes looking at patrick mahomes i mean what a season from him you can't discount in his 14 games 4031 yards he had 26 touchdowns just five interceptions Also did it on the ground a bit, 218 yards on 43 carries, and he had two touchdowns on the ground. But looking at this game by the numbers, Mahomes on the ground is where the 49ers have struggled a bit in terms of stopping running quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson when the 49ers faced them combined for a QBR of 71, and all other QBs combined for a QBR of 28. And of course, with Mahomes showing some more mobility in the recent weeks, I think it's going to be important for the 49ers to get some Mahomes early and often. If you give him too much time in the pocket, obviously he's going to move around much like Lamar Jackson does and make plays happen with his legs. But with Mahomes, it's more of he'll wait in the pocket. He'll scramble around in the pocket, wait for a throw to develop. He has the weapons to do it. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and the rest. But this is where I believe the Ravens would have been able to beat the 49ers in the big game just because of the fact that the 49ers have struggled a bit against these running type style quarterbacks. And while Lamar Jackson can obviously throw the football, when he has the time to extend plays and scramble for first downs and scramble throw on the run, it gets hard because you get to the quarterback in two, three seconds, but he's not there anymore because he has that internal clock go off in his head. And that's what Lamar Jackson did against San Francisco. You also look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who obviously has done a lot to lead this team to the Super Bowl. He threw for 3,978 yards. He had 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. But I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is really moving the needle against this Ravens defense, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey. And this is a different game because in the game against the Ravens when they played at M&T Bank Stadium, it was pouring outside. And Raheem Mozart just absolutely destroyed the Ravens on the ground, and he has turned it on. 137 attempts for 772 yards and 8 touchdowns during the regular season. But I just think that the Ravens would be much more equipped to stop a guy like Raheem Mozart. Now, he obviously gashed the Ravens on the edge, and that's somewhere where the Ravens struggled. They also targeted Marcus Peters, but Marcus Peters showed that he could be a very sound tackler in the Ravens' system. So I think that overall, the Ravens would have been able to beat the San Francisco 49ers. 
But the real question is would they have been able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? And this is really, really, really tough for me to say because they matched up with the Chiefs really well when they played them in week three and still ultimately lost. They came back and ultimately just fell short. But that was a game without Tyreek Hill. That was a game without Eric Fisher. Now, of course, the Ravens didn't have Marcus Peters. Jimmy Smith was inactive. So there were a lot of key players that both teams were missing. And this is tough for me to say, but I really don't think the Ravens would have beaten the Chiefs. Not not the way they played the Titans, at least. And of course, as I've been saying, I thought the Ravens really were one year away when talking about, you know, going and winning the Super Bowl. And I had the utmost ability and the utmost confidence in the Ravens that they were going to pull this thing off. But again, if there was anything that the game against the Titans indicated, it's that they just weren't quite ready. They just needed one or two more threats and it would have been absolutely over for every team in the league. So it would have just been getting over that obstacle of Patrick Mahomes, getting over that obstacle of Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. The Ravens still didn't have a guy who was going to cover Travis Kelsey you know, super duper well, and that's an area where the Ravens have struggled a lot. Tyree Kill obviously is a big factor for them. And it's not that I don't think the Ravens could have beaten the Chiefs defense. I just think Chris Jones would have been a massive load to handle. Tyron Matthew as well. Anthony Hitchens led the team in tackles with 88. This would have been a close game if the Ravens played them in the AFC Championship game. I really do think so. But I think the Ravens would have lost by maybe two or three points if they played the way they did play against the Titans. And if they decided to abandon that run game, it would have been a lot, a lot worse. So I think the Ravens would have won the Super Bowl if they made it there. But the key question for Baltimore was, you know, would they have made it there? And I think next year, next year, I'm telling you, it is the year for the Baltimore Ravens. So watch out. That's all I have for you today. Tomorrow, we are going to be getting into some more Ravens talk with Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.